Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hi guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I talk about value traps and the different types of metrics investors can use to try and avoid those value stocks that are actually the value traps. From earnings not keeping up with cash flows to wide discrepancies between actual earnings and forecasted earnings, we work through a few practical ways investors can try and sidestep some of the worst stocks in the value category. Systematic value strategies can't ever completely avoid value traps, but some of these techniques may be helpful around the edges when it comes to buying statistically cheap stocks. As always, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, you wrote an article earlier this week around um, value traps, but the way you started the article out was by just talking about how what we've seen over the past few months, we've seen some of the lowest quality value stocks actually do the best. Um, And so I think what you were trying to get at there is that you know when you're a value investor, um, and when you're trying to buy stuff that's cheap in the market, um, there's this delicate balancing act between you know trying to find what will be those good value stocks and trying to avoid um, those that end up being value traps. And I mean, maybe you know since the pandemic, it's been a little bit tough because actually some of the stuff that you know I think a lot of investors didn't think were, were going to survive actually have come out of this. Um, you know, the game stops of the world. I mean, that might be an exception in terms of how well it's done. But the point is, is that company is not making money. Um, and yet its stock is up like however, you know, many thousands of percent. Um, I mean, that was due maybe more to this exogenous thing with Wall Street bets and stuff like that. But I think the, the point uh, is, is your article was really trying to get at like, you know, with, with, with value investing strategies, like a lot of the ones we run, um, you know, they are susceptible to bringing you in to these to these value traps and that can sort of really be a, um, a negative for performance. Um, so do you want to kind of just build on that a little bit? Sure. But before we start here, I want to compliment you on the leveling job you've done behind you. Um, oh. Because uh, th- things are things are looking very strong now. Things you, are you looking comments, good. So you needed to do some leveling work and uh, yeah, you, you really stepped it up. Appreciate um, that. You know, it's. It's funny because my, my dad's comment on the podcast has always been that, uh, you know, Justin has all these great certifications behind him. He's got all these <laughs> books and, you know, you've got a bathroom door. You know, you, you probably need to work on that. So uh, maybe maybe I need to do some improving on my own. Well, your backdrop will be changing uh, soon. So stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. No, we're going to be we're going to be moving from Georgia up to Connecticut. So, uh, you know, I will have some sort of different backdrop. I'm not sure what it'll be or if it'll be any better, but it will at least be different. Um, but anyway, back to your, your point on value stocks. Yeah, you know, when you're when you're buying value stocks, you have to understand what you're getting. I mean, you're, you're not buying Google at five times earnings. You know, you're, you're buying if you're paying, you know, a cheap price for stocks, you're getting companies that have trouble. Um, and, and what you're betting on is over an average across a bunch of those companies, you know, the situation is going to be a little bit better than the market thinks. And so you're going to get a premium because of that situation. But Inside of that, there's different groupings of value stocks. There's ones where the situation actually is better than you think. There's ones where the situation is probably pretty similar to what the market thinks. And then there's ones where the situation is actually significantly worse than what the market thinks. And and that's what value traps are. And so it's sort of a double-edged sword to try to avoid value traps because you have to be careful about 
not cutting those companies out and also cutting out companies that end up doing very well for you. So the question is, are there criteria you can identify where you can maybe eliminate some of these value traps without affecting the rest of your strategy, which is, you know, based on the fact that you're going to be investing in companies that are may, may not be the greatest companies and may not have the greatest prospects. And so the idea of value traps is, you know, some of these, they're obviously with any value strategy are always going to be problematic companies. There's going to be companies that go bankrupt. You know, there's going to be companies that go down a lot. And, you know, you're trying to get the benefits of value without, you know, you're trying to avoid those types of companies while still getting the benefits of using a value strategy. Like when I look at our value type of strategies right now, I mean, probably every single stock in there looks like it has some degree of problems or issue with their business. I mean, you have a lot of retailers in these value portfolios. You have a lot of energy stocks. You have stocks that are tied to the economy, a lot of cyclicals. Um, but those are some of the stocks that have really done well um, over the past six months. And so I agree with you. It's, it's really tough. It's like you can't just all of a sudden layer in all these high quality metrics because basically that's going to turn your value strategy into a quality strategy. And then you're moving away from trying to capture sort of the value premium. But at the same time, you don't want to be buying stocks that are basically going to go bankrupt because then you're not going to have the strategy at all. So it is a, like I said before, it's this delicate balance that, you know, we're trying to get at with some of the um, things that we screen on and we look at when trying to avoid value traps. Yeah, it's important to keep in mind that we're talking about systematic value and we talk about value here. You know, you can define value as buying anything for less than it's worth. And, and in that case, you can buy much higher quality companies. You can, you can buy all kinds of different things. You know, what we're talking about here is systematic value, which means buying the cheapest companies in the market, whether it's price to book, PE, a value composite, however you're doing it. You know, that's what we're talking about when we, when we say value. You know, we're not talking about, you know, buying Google because its future prospects are, you know, a lot better than what the market says. And so therefore it's a value. Um, you know, that technically can be value investing, but that's not what we're talking about here. You had this one point in the notes, which you, you said focusing on what makes sense versus what backtests well. So what were you trying to get out of that? So yeah, so the, the idea is if we're trying to avoid value traps, how do we go about doing it? And you know, all of us that are quants have this tendency to say, all right, you know, let's just go in the data, let's run a bunch of tests, let's see, you know, does this factor work? Does this factor work? You know, how can I limit these value traps? And that that's really dangerous because you're probably going to find something in the data that doesn't hold up in the real world. And so the, when, when we look at this, you know, what we try to do is start with the question, if I was an, if I'm an investor who's not even running a quantitative strategy and I'm using historical results to try to figure out which companies I should invest in, what criteria might tell me that whatever those historical results are telling me is not reflective of what might happen in the future. And so that's what we try to do here. And it's also important to note that whenever you're trying to run one of these strategies to eliminate value traps, you know, you're not going to get rid of most of them. You're not going to, you know, double your returns or something, you know, you're trying to just around the edges, slightly improve your value strategy. So, you know, it's, it's important to keep the goal in mind here, because if you're going for, or oh, I'm going to cut out all value traps and you start data mining, trying to figure out what does that, you're probably not going to get something that's going to work in the future. So what we're trying to do is find stuff that makes sense. And then, you know, try to, uh, you know, trying to Im incorporate that into our process to slightly improve it over time. Before we get into the, some of the criteria that we use, let's just talk about this concept of, ne of a negative screen. So a lot of times people think of stock screeners or screening applications as looking to identify the stocks um, that you want to include in the portfolio, but a negative screen actually um, indicates or identifies the stocks or the percentage of stocks of your investable universe 
that you want to avoid, right? Right. So it's important to keep in mind what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do is get the absolute worst companies out of here. You know, we're not trying to get the high quality Warren Buffett, you know, type stocks. I mean, that, that's certainly a legitimate strategy, but it's not what we're trying to do here with systematic value. And so that's what a negative screen does is, you know, we're not trying, we're, we're eliminating when, when we run a negative screen, we're typically eliminating 10% of our database, which is about 2,600 stocks. So we're eliminating 260 stocks before we start looking at value. And, and we're essentially trying to get the worst of the worst out of there. So we're trying to get, you know, we're not trying to get things where, you know, there's, there's a slight problem with this variable. We're trying to get situations where this company is one of the worst companies in the market with this variable. You know, we'll talk about what the variables are, but that's the idea of a negative screen is, you know, we want to maintain our exposure to value, but we want to try to, around the edges, eliminate some of the worst companies. And that's what a negative screen does for us. Right. So we have six different uh, criteria that help us try to avoid these value traps. The first one, and I'll let you kind of define these and then I'll try to build off um, them. Uh, the first one is a big decline in future earnings. So yeah, so when you look at analyst estimates, they're notoriously not all that reliable. You know, that whatever the analyst projects you're going to earn in the current year, you know, you typically don't earn that. But where, where we found they are valuable is they're directionally correct. And so what I mean by that is if a company earned $2 last year and it's supposed to lose a dollar this year, obviously something has gone very wrong between last year and this year. And so that's what we do. We try to find the most egregious examples, you know, the biggest spreads between what, what the data we're using in the past and what is expected to happen in the future. And when we see those very wide spreads, typically there's something going on in the business that our you know, historical results aren't picking up. And in that, in that case, with the absolute worst offenders, we want to try to eliminate them from our screen before we apply our value screens. Right. Like uh, energy stocks are a good example of this. When you had the price of you know, oil fall from whatever, $100 a barrel all the way to 25 and the trailing earnings for these companies, the trailing 12-month earnings for a lot of these energy companies still look good, but analysts knew that those earnings were going to take a major hit because of the price of oil was down so much. So their projections on earnings were so far from what the the current year or, or trailing earnings were that that would have been a good example of, you know, this specific criteria uh, looking at that difference and saying, you know, there's some type of problem here. And that would have been incorporated into this um, into this negative screen. That's right. That, that's a good example, too, because what we're trying to do is if a human value investor was looking at this, we're trying to pick up on some of the things they might find that, you know, a, a standard quantitative historical screen wouldn't. And that's an example of that. If a human value investor was analyzing an oil company, they would realize, all right, the price of oil has plummeted here. Earnings are going to be a lot worse next year than they were last year. So, you know, maybe I need to incorporate that into my, into my process. And that's basically what we're trying to do here. Number two is cash flow is not keeping up with earnings. Same kind of idea, you know, earnings can be manipulated, cash flows are more difficult to manipulate. So if there's a big gap between what a company's earning and what they're producing in terms of cash flow, there might be some sort of problem going on there. So again, you know, we just try to find the biggest gaps and eliminate the worst offenders. Uh, uh, the next one is uh, too much debt. Yeah, debt just, just makes the range of outcomes more wide. And so if, if you have problems in your business already, which value companies typically do, if you couple that with a lot of debt, you have a big negative range of outcomes. Things could go very wrong for you. So we, we have some screens we run on Validia that have shown that you know, a reasonable amount of debt in value companies can actually be good because it, it might enhance your returns over time. But when you have the app, really, really high levels of debt, that decreases the chances that the company is going to get over whatever the problems they are they're facing. So we, we try to eliminate those. Yeah, and debt can be, of course, if you have too much debt and then you can't refinance that debt or, you know, you go into a downturn, that's where companies can kind of get in a lot of trouble. And a lot of these value stocks are in businesses that maybe their business is just in an overall decline. And so, you know, too much debt 
can definitely be problematic for those for those types of stocks. Um, low fundamental momentum was the next criteria. Yeah, we have a strategy called Twin Momentum we run on Validia, which is is a momentum strategy. So it tries to find the comp, you know, the stocks with the most price momentum and the most fundamental momentum. But what we realize is when you reverse that and when you find the stocks with the absolute lowest fundamental momentum, it uses seven different variables to do it. When you find the lowest fundamental momentum in the market, that can be a good screen for value stocks. Because typically if, if all of these variables are moving dramatically in the wrong direction, something is going on in the business that's bad. And so our, our past you know, valuation ratios aren't picking up on that. And so we, we try to use that as part of what we do to screen out companies. Right. That's a good one. Um, next is low economic profit. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, economic profit is just return on capital minus weighted average cost of capital. And so the idea here is if, if your return on capital is less than your cost of capital, then there's no reason to give a business money. So, you know, you're just burning it up essentially. So, you know, you want to find companies that have at least some degree of economic profit. And what we're doing here is just getting the worst defenders out again. So where, where that gap is very wide, where your return on capital is much lower than your cost of capital, those are probably companies that have some sort of issue in, in, in their core business. And so we don't want to invest in them. And then last one is low relative strength or low price momentum. This is sort of the catch-all. Um, so the idea is if all these other screens missed out, on some companies that have major problems, well, the market is truth, and so price is truth. If the market is telling us, you know, this this stock has a relative strength of three, then and all these other things are coming up okay, then there's probably something else going on with the company that we've missed. And so low relative strength is meant just to catch, to try to catch some companies that everything else missed, where obviously there's something wrong, we don't know what it is, but the price is telling us there's a major problem there. What I like about that though is you could have maybe a company with very low relative strength, let's say it's going, there's some, there's something going on with a business. Maybe there's some type of, I don't know, like lawsuit or something, which could negatively impact the business, but it wouldn't necessarily show up in those first five. But maybe because of that lawsuit, uh, the company has a low relative strength. Well, in that case, like that still might be an investable, a good value stock because it scores okay on all the other measures, but it has a low relative strength. So that's kind of an example of like where one of these maybe could be um, really low, but the fundamental, the fundamental ones could still be reasonable. And so a company like that would not be excluded from the screen. It would still be eligible to be purchased, um, you know, as a value stock. That's right. So what we're doing is, you know, we're not using these individually. We're using them together as a composite. So we're ranking every stock based on all of these, and then we're creating a combined ranking. And only the bottom 10% of our database using that combined ranking gets eliminated. So having a problem in one of these is not going to be enough to get you eliminated. You, you have to have a problem in multiple areas here to get eliminated. Because again, we, we know we're investing, when you're, when you're investing in value stocks, you know you're investing in companies that have trouble. So you don't want to just eliminate every company that has trouble. You know, you're, you're going to take away the power of your value screen in the first place. So this is just trying to look at, you know, where there's multiple problems in a company and we're trying to slightly improve the performance of value by trying to screen out the worst, you know, the worst companies using these metrics. You know what we should have done? We should have actually used our negative screen and launched a strategy around it. So the least profitable, <laughs> it would have been, it would yeah, have been the, the most, the most worst value stock model. <laughs> Well, you know, and for 2020, you have to add in uh, another thing a lot of other people use in their negative screens is this high short interest idea. Um, and so if, if there was anything you wanted to buy in 2020, it was high short interest. So you're right. I mean, for from 2020, you probably could have inverted this and you probably would have had a really good investment strategy, particularly if you threw high short interest in there as well. Um, you know, that, that's not the case over the long term, but, you know, you wanted, you wanted to buy companies that don't make money and high short interest and all that stuff, um, you know, in 2020. There is a chart I, I've 
been working on a few presentations and there's a chart that I took from Franklin Templeton and basically they have a the Russell 2000 index periods of and I'll, I'll put this in the podcast periods when unprofitable companies are beating profitable and periods when profitable companies in the index are beating unprofitable and what you see is especially coming out of these recessions so in the 2000 to 2002 recession in the great financial crisis and also just recently in the past 12 months you've actually had um, unprofitable companies uh, beating profitable companies. But when you look at the chart in totality over that very long period of time, you know, companies that are profitable in the small cap index do go on to outperform, but you have these periods where unprofitable companies can be winners. Um, that would sort of be opposite of what we're talking about here, but there are t periods of time in the market when you have like very, very, very low quality companies sort of rallying big time. And you know, what's interesting is we're actually seeing right now, this negative screen is having much lower of an impact on our value strategies than it normally would. It's, it's filtering out less companies. And the reason is what you said, these low quality companies have all rallied and they're not that cheap anymore. And you can actually get a lot of high quality companies in that cheap bucket. And so there's less to filter out because these companies have less problems than your typical value companies. So we're seeing less impact of this right now than we did say a year ago. Yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Okay, guys, well, hopefully this is a good discussion on value traps. We'll put a link to um, Jack's article in the show notes. And if you have any feedback for us, please let us know. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi, guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at jjcarboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.